Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our guest today is Charlie Robinson. You may know him from Swapcast we've done together or from his work as author and podcast on his podcast, Macroaggressions. His latest project has been a book with Jeff Berwick called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire from the Founding of the Federal Reserve to 9-11 to the Coronavirus Panic. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Welcome back, Charlie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Let's get into it. There's yeah. lots to talk about. I know. So what uh, the the book has enormous scope. So I'm hoping <laughs> that you can give us kind of a just an overview of what the book's about and also why. Why did yeah. you guys write this book? Well, it came out of a conversation I had with Jeff Berwick um, back in the summer of 2018. And um, I was on his show uh, promoting my first book, The Octopus of Global Control. And and when we got done recording, we stayed on and just kept chatting for a little bit longer. And he made a comment about, you know, it's all coming down, man. And I was like, like, what are you talking about specifically? He's like, you know, the financial institutions, the the system, the financial system. It's like a house of cards. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, of course. And we, we, we kept kind of talking about that for a little while. And then he said, we should um, – we should work on something together. I think that would, you know, are you up for that? And I said, absolutely. He's like, you know, maybe we should write a book together or, or, or something, you know, he kind of left it open-ended and I said, well, let me think about things. And so right after that, I wound up in Costa Rica for a while and I had time to sort of sit around and think about how, um, think about if there was something we could work on together. And what stuck in my head was when he said, it's all coming down. And so my mind immediately goes to like an image of building seven coming down, you know? So I'm like, oh, it's like a, you know, it's like a controlled demolition more than just a strong wind that came by and knocked everything down. You know, this is, this was planned. And so But that was such a great line because I remember when the coronavirus thing started happening and it really felt like Mm 9-11-y and someone tweeted at me, I'm sure it was from you, that this it's a controlled demolition of the U.S. economy. And boy, that just could there could not be a better description than what is happening right here and now. I started seeing those those comments. They were calling it a controlled demolition. And I was like, yes, yes, keep going. Because I knew the book was getting ready to come yeah, out. Yeah, right. And, I, now but, I attribute it to you, even if it was simultaneous discovery. Yeah, to yeah me, it wasn't. Yeah. It might not have even been me. And and I say that not because I, I want everything to come down. I'm just saying that the terminology controlled demolition appealed oh, to me. Yeah, because, no. um, it, and, and so I, I started thinking, you know, well, if we if we make a comparison between the way people blow up an actual building, you know, the 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 demolition crews, there's a certain um, process that they follow. And so I, what we wound up writing was about making it into eight parts with each part being a different major uh, component of it. Like so we've got a, a rotting foundation. We have pre weakening of the building, identifying the support columns, rigging the detonators who wired this building, rigging, uh, ringing the alarm bells, pushing down the plunger, and lastly, clearing the debris. And that's kind of the process in, that these guys go through when they're when they're demolishing a building. They'll go in and they'll identify the actual large support columns, but they're not ready to take those out right now. They need to pre-weaken the building first. So they'll go around and find all the minor support columns 
and cut those in advance. And so it sort of paints this picture of these globalist maniacs that are trying to destroy the American empire. And they're not quite ready to take it all down yet. But in advance, there's some uh, things that they would like to pre-weaken. So you get into uh, like a something like globalization or NAFTA, um, the TPP, these partner, these trade partnership deals. These are a perfect example of pre-weakening the building because it when you put them in place like Bill Clinton did back in the 90s, it doesn't destroy the economy overnight. It's like lighting a 25-year fuse on it and eventually it will destroy it, but it doesn't happen right away. So when you outsource all of your uh, industrial capacity to China, uh, then you're going to feel that, in, you know, in a variety of ways. Obviously, there'll be the lack of 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 uh, factories at home in the United States, the loss of blue collar jobs, the loss of tax revenue from that. But then also now you're dependent on another country for your, you know, uh, for your materials, which could be good because you get it cheaper. But you, now you've got supply chain concerns. And of course, we saw that play out in 2020 when we're just talking about toilet paper. I mean, we saw <laughs> that's like the least of our problems and, and people freaked out. So so these these concepts of um, these policies that the maniac politicians put in place, some of them do a really good job of destroying the country. But it's not overnight. And that's actually better for them because then they don't get directly blamed for it. It takes a while. Nobody's rushing out to, you know, crucify Bill Clinton for his NAFTA stuff now um, because they've they've all forgotten that he was the guy behind it. But you certainly do feel- I was thinking about that process of the pre-weakening. Well, yeah. now that you, you've given it that name, but this process of the, the slow-moving demolition and- the policies that are put in place and it takes periods of years. The propaganda books talk about take 10 years, 50 years, whatever these big plans they put in place. It seems as though some of this pre-weakening has shifted into maybe the, the internal building parts of the building are starting to collapse a bit faster with this past year and the coronavirus. It seems like everything is really compressed and started to speed up. Do you see that? Yes, absolutely. It's like everybody got a memo. 2020 is the year. Step on it. You know, Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the insanity. Well, be, and because um, they might have had it at some sort of uh, directive from the people above them, the Council on Foreign Relations and Bilderberg and Atlantic Council and, and all these these groups that, that are that are kind of driving the policy. All the they's. Uh, they, I consider them the members of the you, they club. Exactly. All the they's. The, the they club could be could have uh, sent the message, you know, to, to hurry up everybody. But but it could also be that that these guys just recognize that they have this very like a once in a lifetime unusual aspect to society that happened in 2020, which is an invisible virus that's going to come and kill us all if we don't do unless we walk down the the aisles of a grocery store in the correct direction, you know, so they they've they've dusted off every fantasy that they've ever had for trying to control the herd uh, because, you know, they'd had to put it on the back shelf because there's no way we could roll this out. The people would revolt. But they look at it now and they go, hmm, let's see if we look. Is there anything that you've got any sort of crazy ideas that you've got sitting over there on the shelf that we can now use under the guise of protecting people from Corona. Let's look at that. And then you start to see all these things come out and you're like, oh yeah, I see. You guys wanted to get rid of cash for a long time. Now you're just going to tell everybody that cash is contaminated. Gotcha. That's how you're going to, you know, so, so these ideas that they had had plans to slowly roll out over the, over the next 10 years to get themselves to agenda 2030. In some cases they've said, let's try it now. You know, now's a good time for it. So we're we're seeing this ramping up. So I think your assessment that everything is has has sped up uh, this year is is accurate because it seems like um, 
it seems like now it's now or never for them. It seems that way. And I've seen conversations in the mainstream media and from some of these activist organizations where they're talking about now, imagine if only we could scare people about climate change the way we have scared them about coronavirus. Yeah. Really transferring, like they're roping in all of those policies under the guise of coronavirus, but they're just climate change policies. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not... You know, it's it's no accident because the World Economic Forum is leading the charge on this climate change initiative. So so whenever they can um, use fear to scare people into doing the things that they want them to do, uh, they'll do it. And and it used to be that we would just see skinny polar bears clinging to little icebergs. And and that, of course, does something to you. Uh, but, you know, people get over that and they still go drive their SUVs. But but what if we what if we transform society just all together and we did away with everything and. And, and now we're starting to see the marketing plan roll out from the World Economic Forum, you know, these little uh, slideshow presentations that they have. The year is 2030. You own nothing and you've never been happier. It's like, wait a second. What's going on here? Is this about a virus or it's is this trending. about a- also World Economic Forum trending at the top of Twitter? We were talking yep. about this on our daily show today. That's a marketing. People say that that's because of Justin Trudeau. That's an organized strategic marketing play to introduce this concept to the public because they want to win the public over in favor of it, in my opinion. You know, it's funny because Newsom, Governor Newsom was all over the news because he had some like big dinner with a lobbyist and it was totally against his own rules. And now that you mention it in the article, it said, well, that lobbyist, it may seem like bad press to you, but that's the only press this guy ever gets. And he's doing very well. Yeah, right. (laughs) Kind of funny. Man, I mean, we're we're living in an upside down world where (laughs) if you accurately call out uh Gavin Newsom for doing that you've got half the population telling you that you're 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 somehow Racist. a conspiracy theorist or something you know what i mean right, <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah you know everything's theoretical everybody's everybody's a nazi so, everybody's a conspiracy theorist that's 2020 in a nutshell so here is something that i i've known it's Again, it's like getting bigger and more coming to a crescendo. I, in your book, you do cite the usual suspects and the usual suspects is a very, very big group. It's totally plausible. They are the people who are there right now. Everyone from the, I mean, the Council of Foreign Relations is still a really big, robust thing. Binkley was playing for us some clips from the Council of Councils, which is the Council of Foreign Relations, the Council of Rome. Yeah. All like in every, there were 30 countries represented, but I'm sure there's, more than 30 of these there it's like every country has its own council of foreign relations and it is part of the chatham house network or the royal institute of international affairs whatever it has a name it has all these people and then you have like gavin newsom you have every single major elected official that i can think of in this country and maybe even in the whole world totally in lockstep with this stuff that is outside the parameter of many of the foundational documents for these countries or cities or governments how you know what do you think what is your sense of how they coordinate or if there's someone calling the shots or if everyone just shows up is it like a spontaneously ordering you know like a high access society has spontaneous order it's just self-ordering and it's almost like i'm starting to think so many people are just getting in lockstep as if they have an instinct i feel like media works that way too and uh, academia, do you, in your research and your work, have you gotten a sense of kind of who's pulling the strings or how that coordination 
works, who are they and how do they get on the same page and not get just called out? Yeah, it's a, it's a little of both, actually. So it's like when you get a big group of rich billionaires together, there may or may not be one unified plan for them, but they don't really need it. They know what works best for them. They don't have to have a big meeting with everybody else to figure out what they want to do. They understand how they need society shaped. And so they're going to do that. Now, somebody like Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who comes out and says, we need to do this, that and the other, and we need to pledge our allegiance to the New World Order. She certainly was was told to get on board with the program. I mean, the low level people like that are told this is what we're doing. Justin Trudeau's and guys like that. Justin Trudeau. I mean, I, I call him a low level guy. He's yeah. a low level guy. But he's he, like he, newsome he, in that he's very well connected. These these guys have been promised something. I, I, I can't prove that, but their behavior, um, yeah. the the governors in in, you know, in Washington and, and Oregon and and California, the the Lori Lightfoots, the Megan Whitmer, <clears throat> all these people are acting in, in a manner that says to me that they have been told, shut everything down, do what you're told. And if you do that, we've got a place for you in a, you know, in a Biden cabinet. Or, you know, some cabinet level position or something along those lines. Show, yeah, they also show you're on the team. It, flaunt the fact that they don't follow their own rules. To, yeah. They just they throw it in the public's face. Newsom going to that restaurant, Lori Lightfoot down celebrating with the Biden, quote, victory with, with no mask on and a bunch of people, then telling everybody they need to wear a mask. They, they seem to be just saying, look, we're going to make you take these rules, but we are not going to abide by them because we are above you. That's the sense that I've been getting pretty heavy lately in the media. That is that is more than likely how they actually feel that they, that they are above us. If Nancy Pelosi wants to go get her hair did, she's just going to go do it. You know what I mean? She's not going to ask anybody for permission because she's Nancy Pelosi. How dare you? And, and, and so there's this mentality that they are better than us, that they that that rules for thee, not for me. You know, this is this is their way of thinking. And it is it's psychopathic. Of course, it's it's narcissistic behavior. But then again, are we really that surprised? Because the, it, politics is like a gigantic spotlight that attracts all of these psychopaths and narcissists and, and maniacs that come to a place because they're offered things that they want, the things that, that psychopaths need, power, control, money, fame, for whatever it is that you want, they've got it for you, but you got to play ball. So we're seeing a lot of low-level people uh, shutting down cities and or in you know shutting down countries, but this is definitely coming from from above uh from them i i All think right. it's coming from i think it's coming from the days that the atlantic councils uh the council on foreign relations bilderberg and these these groups uh might be coming from banking families above them but but at its core the world economic forum the push for this great reset this fourth industrial revolution is a long time in in planning this is something that they discuss at davos when you get uh, technocrat billionaires, along with bankers, politicians, and the media together. <laughs> I mean, what yeah. do you think is going to happen? So it's all obviously going to be bad. But they've been they've been talking about this, and see, they their mentality is such that they they feel like this governing business would be so much easier if it wasn't for all these stupid people. 
You know, if we could just get rid of the people, okay. then we'd be much better off. So they, they institute things that are uh, psychologically damaging for the people because they don't have any respect for us. So that's why you'll see you'll see stories early on in March saying, yeah, don't wear the mask. Don't wear them. It doesn't really matter. And then in, Ju- in June and July, it's like you have to wear the mask. It's, uh, what are you trying to kill grandma? How dare you? And it's like, but you just said the exact up. Op- no, don't listen to that. Listen to what I'm saying now. So that's a psychological operation. That yeah, is- I have a question for you on that score. <laughs> Are you enjoying this special episode of the Propaganda Report? If you are, you might enjoy our weekday show, The Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. We listen to the news and peel away the propaganda so you don't have to. It's free in the Propaganda Report feed on your favorite podcasting platform. And if that's not enough for you, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash propaganda report. There you can get a full 45 minutes of daily news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. Or choose higher tiers that give you all of that, plus access to our very special disappearing patron parties. Live-streamed cocktail parties with us and like-minded patrons two Fridays every month that are always a blast. Hope you are enjoying this special episode of The Propaganda Report and hope to catch you at a patron party soon. Okay, yeah, I, I think I've heard you say that you had a marketing background. Is that just something yeah. like that? A marketing? Okay, I have a marketing degree. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. I didn't. I, I co- didn't want to get it wrong, but I thought that's what I heard. Okay. So, with a lot of the stuff, you just rattled off a few things that were contradictory in your face, and one of the things that you mentioned was Pelosi going to the salon. Now, yeah. I think just based on my experience, I've lived in L.A. before I live in L.A. now and and I've been to like super, super high end salons and all that. And I just her story didn't that just didn't ring true to me. I kind of had this feeling maybe the way Binkley and I were talking about Newsom and the lobbyist and there's something just not right about the in your face nature of it. And I wonder from your perspective as somebody who's well versed probably in a deeper layer of marketing than just what you see is what you get. If there's any, if you see in any of this a reverse psychology or maybe what they call gaslighting or something where they, that these blatant contradictions, this blatant hypocrisy actually serve some kind of like layered psychological function to get people on board. Do you have any insights into that? Yes. Well, they do. This is this has got Tavistock Institute fingerprints all over it. <laughs> you know, like socially That's favorite. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that. When when you look, I had this a great conversation with this guy Corey Hughes that I know who who does a lot of JFK research, and we were talking. He was he broke out this CIA psychological operations handbook that he had. I got a that digital- too. That thing's amazing. Yeah, and and you go through it, and he's like, "Look at this! Look at this! Look at that!" And what it is is there's tactics in there that we use to. What, I say we uh, and uh, the CIA uses uh, marketing gov- people. I'm sure you can do it in. I mean, if you were subtle and you had something bigger than just selling a car or maybe selling a car. I think that it, I'm sure it has corporate applications. Edward Bernays was an advertiser just as much as a propagandist. That's right. Bacon and eggs. My son got up the other day and said, what says America more than bacon and eggs? And I was like, oh my gosh, that was like literally Edward (laughs) Bernays' claim. Like that was his slogan from like 80 or 100 years ago or whatever. It was just crazy how lasting that is. It works well. And, and, and part of this, you know, with that, with, with the, the psychological operations handbook, they talk about how you infuse one version of the truth and then you 
then you just immediately say, don't listen to that. Listen to this other version of the truth and get everybody on board with that. And then they get you switching back and forth. So at some point, the person just kind of throws up their hands and goes, I give up. I just want out of this. Make it all stop. It's brainwashing and is what it is. It's brainwashing. But it, also, it is, you're right. It brings you to your knees. I, I've been saying that a lot lately. I can't really put my finger on it. But just at a certain point, like, I do not care. You just have to make this stop. I've even given up. And then, even though it's coerced, you have sanctioned it. You have given the sanction to the victim. And you can't go back that. Yeah, that's that's the devious part of it. It becomes your idea once you embrace it. And it 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 it's crazy. We so so these tactics aren't these tactics, it might seem a bit disjointed if you're just looking at one aspect of it. But once you understand that these these things have been planned years in advance, I mean we 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 know about event two oh one happening in October of last year. You know, these these aren't aren't organic events. They're made to look to like they are, but they actually are not. So there's a lot of planning that goes into them. And of course, th- the marketing component of it is there as well. And, and, and in Event 201, they talk about how, um, you know, how the transmission would work. They talk about how fear was is is going to you know shut down um, stores and how travel would 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 come to a screeching halt and all these things. And it's like, well, Maybe they would or wouldn't have happened, but considering you guys role played for for all of these things, it seems like you want them to happen. And 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 when when you're using the mainstream corporate media um, to you know to paint this picture of what this pandemic is going to look like, we're at a severe disadvantage because they can use that that media can be used to to make it look like you know they can show us the pictures from China of a. Uh, Guys on trains just spit, just pour blood pouring out of their mouths or falling over and dropping dead on the sidewalks. We all thought that was coming our way. I mean, that was part of the sales pitch. I that was part it. of the marketing. And we were like, <laughs> I'm the oh. only one I know who's like, that's a fake. You know, they're like, oh, my gosh, these secret videos. I'm like, they I don't nothing gets those. out of China. Yeah. And I yeah. kept saying, if anything ever got out of China, it would have been women getting dragged off to have forced abortions. And I right. never, ever yeah. saw a video like that with some woman screaming in English, telling me about, you know what I mean? Like, I said, yeah. it can't be. They're not letting anything out of there that they don't want out of there. And it got us so freaking stressed out. Right. And people like me, not me, but like our kind of side stream or alternative media were the ones who they it was fed to us yeah it was fed yeah. to us it, it was wasn't like really on too. cbs I mean, that's really crazy I, i'd completely but you were supposed to that. find it it was an easter egg yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. interesting yeah it does go deep it does does yeah i i i you so you see their their evil fingerprints all over it, and I mean, if there's one component of this that I have a huge problem with, it's the mainstream media. I consider them to be co-conspirators in this entire operation. They are very dangerous. What they're doing, what they've been doing for for a long time, uh, and they don't appreciate us in the alternative media pointing out their flaws and their blatant lies. And and of course, that's part of the reason why people are getting deplatformed all over the place. Uh, you know, another part might be that they plan to have a second wave i mean after all bill gates said yeah. it on camera said well the second wave will get your attention <laughs> i actually you know, so- do think now because i ask people all the time like do you know an unusually high number of people who are seriously ill and until this weekend no one ever said yes this weekend two people said yes to me and of course mm. you know it's flu season people are starting to get sick and with this state of hysteria it's the dark season you mean. right yes. right i'm oh, sorry sorry but with the state of hysteria anybody who would have a normal flu where you're just like wow my kid has 102 fever for a week that 
is a little scary under normal circumstances. Now it's terrifying. You could jam a ventilator down his throat and, and it's lights out. So there's definitely an element of that. But what do you think with you mentioned the media? I've heard you say that kind of that's your um, you know, you are Hate really them. critical of them. Yeah. And I just wonder, <laughs> how do you think it coordinates there? Like, how does it plug in? It's because these are corporations, big corporations. They trade that their CEOs are just huge, huge guys who I mean, like Jamie Dimon level guys and i just wonder like you know i could see if a an oil and gas guy um or a defense contractor is invested in a small newspaper a local newspaper whatever that will slant the thing his way and he will benefit from it but like at that at that level it just seems too you know, or is that CEO of Universal or whatever plugged directly in, in your opinion? Like, how does it how does it get to where it's everybody all the time? Like that yeah. that does puzzle me. Yeah. Well, you know, back in the 90s before Bill Clinton deregulated everything, um, there were 50 media companies and maybe to get 50 guys on board with saying the same thing is is obviously more difficult. Uh, you might have a couple people that go rogue or say, this isn't the real story. I want to write about the real story. Forget what you guys are telling us to say. But now after it's been condensed down to about five multinational, large conglomerate media owning companies, it's it's a lot easier for them to get everybody to get on the same page uh they just do that through the atlantic council they just you know tell, you're you're right and i'll tell say, you why yeah uh, i'll tell you why because we binkley and i had a show on wsb which was a totally mainstream terrestrial radio and then this year it got bought from the family that owned it for many many years the cox family the guy was a governor he was a senator like way back in the 50s and stuff and the family owned that and the newspaper and the tv station and then they sold everybody got old and died and you know the kids didn't want to carry on and now it's owned by apollo which is leon black's financial company and i wouldn't be surprised if i google him right now the atlantic he was a supporter of or employed Jeffrey Epstein to the tune yeah. of $50 million after Epstein got busted. And we also, Binkley broke some Stacey Abrams stuff. We were talking about Event 201. I certainly have had plenty of, I've said on that show that that the Cox people just, you know, they thought it was good radio and they didn't. They did not care if it conflicted with their personal politics, which I know it did. But then then somebody bought it. I mean, it's as simple as that, kind of like as simple as what you said is just like one day somebody else bought it. And on that day, <laughs> we, we had to you walk. You got your pink slips and you yeah. were told yeah, to get out. I mean, on that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our Jeffrey Epstein stuff would no longer fly over there I believe. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if that guy realized, but there was we weren't going to make it more than one or two shows anyway. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but still you're right. I think you're 100% right. I think it's that obvious that those guys are plugged into those those organizations that and I think you're also right that it's not that they get their marching orders, it's that they're all like bobbleheads like, "Oh yeah, absolutely. If it's a complete media monopoly then and you own that and I'll own this one and I'll take the US, you take the UK." I mean, it's not that doesn't take that yeah. much coordination to get everybody on board. No, well, but prior you can to World War 1 to get us into the war, the British sent like sleeper cell agents all over the world, including the United States, Sir Gilbert Parker. And their job was to get cozy with celebrities and academics and people that had wide influence, people who had big egos, did not think they could get bamboozled and would love to have a lord or a duke hanging out with their wives at their house. And they would 
put those messages in the minds of these influencers. And you can read the correspondence going back and forth between Sir Gilbert Parker and Lord Northcliffe over at the, the Wellington House, where they're just mocking how gullible and dumb the the influencer influencers are in the United States. And cheap. And how cheap they were. Yeah. I mean, I feel like just being seen at French Laundry with somebody who has a title would be enough to sell your country down the river without even connecting the dots. It's not like you had to give them a suitcase full of $50,000. Like you just had yeah, yeah. to smoke a cigar with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at Leonardo DiCaprio going to work for the United Nations doing their bidding. You know, yeah. hey, let's. you want to come hang out with us? You're going to save the world. We'll make you a green ambassador. Oh, that sounds good. People will like me more than, you know, they'll think that I have some soul to me. Well, you know, this, they... This is they they do that. They they influence these people. The the Oh you know, yeah. The, and the PR is you tell them you need a cause. That's his cause. Mm-hmm. It's like it's circular and then they get to be the celebrity. Yeah. How yeah, do you it, fight it? What's the best way to wake people up to get the message out? I know you've had a lot of experience communicating the message. What have you found that works best? Well, I'll tell you what doesn't work very well is going up to people and, and saying, hey, let me tell you what's going on here. Let me tell you how it all works and blah, blah, blah. And just verbally vomiting on people and telling them this is what's going on and <laughs> you're wrong. And Because I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> so I will tell you, don't do that. Um, but if you want to get a conversation, uh, if you want to have a conversation with people close to you that maybe don't understand these things or you're having a hard time connecting with them, then my advice would be make it a two-way street. Ask them questions. Hey, I'm having a hard time trying to understand why we would why we would go into a lockdown for something with a 99.997 percent. <laughs> like, can, I mean, you you're good at math. Help me understand. Like, what do you think's behind that? Why do you think we're and and they'll go, uh, I don't know. I didn't know any of this. What are you talking about? He said, well, yeah, it's got. Yeah, look, it shows here, and they've got this, and you know, and once you get them. You ask them a question about it, it opens them up to to participate in a dialogue. Now, this I came out of this understanding from ruining a Thanksgiving dinner one year for bringing up 9-11. And I watched the entire table like turn on me and it was not good. So, you watched the slow demolition of the entire Thanksgiving. I watched the slow demolition of my Thanksgiving uh, holiday for sure. And future it, invitations. You got it. Yeah, it was I was it was not a welcome conversation. But I also didn't have my my facts together at the time. So it, it was partially my fault. And knowing knowing your audience, like it's a really weird time. You've got a political uncertainty still, even after we're, we had an election. You have a lot of people that are angry with each other. People are out of work. They're stressed out. They don't know if they're going to get sick. The media has done a number on them. I would say like everybody needs to give the everybody else like a free pass these days just because we don't know what everybody else is going through and working out on their own but if we're going to actually you know if we're going to change these things it's like it's like any bad situation you have in your life or an addiction first step is acknowledging we have a problem and there are a lot of people that still haven't gotten to that first step yet they still are blissfully ignorant oh well biden will fix everything or once we have the the election then everything will go back to normal it's like wait a second what if you're wrong I think you are wrong. It's not going back to normal. You know, so let's talk about where we are, the problems that we currently have, and then let's start to do something about it. Because what what we've noticed is that these maniacs will push us as far as they can push us until we stand up and do something about it. They have no incentive to stop until we tell them to stop. But you know what happens when we collectively get together and tell them we're not participating in it? They, they back down. They yeah. back down because they're not 
used to this. They're not used to us. So we have a couple things in our favor. We have massive amounts of numbers of people, although half of them are still asleep to this. So we've got to wake them up. But we also have to remind everybody that collectively we're very strong and they depend on us going along with their insane dictates. And so when Gavin Newsom says you can't have more than three families or you can't stay more than two hours for Thanksgiving dinner, you know what you do? You do whatever you want. You do whatever you want. You do not comply with unjust orders. You just don't. And I if saw everybody a meme has that, that mentality. It was a Dr. Fauci meme, and it was a picture of him wearing a black dildo on his head, and the caption said, oh, yeah. to protect yourself from the coronavirus, we all need to strap <laughs> dildos to our heads. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, so it's part of, part of it is, is a frustration I have. Obviously, I have, I have problems with the media. I have problems with the government and big pharma and all these things. You know, these institutions that don't have our best interest in heart. But I also reserve a portion of my frustration for the population in general, because we have we have got to do a better job of coming together and waking up and getting angry about this stuff. I mean, it's like, if not now, when? And and, and these guys are not going to give us a break on this. The plans that they have, and they're rolling them out in front of our eyes with, with slick marketing campaigns, but the plans they have for us is nothing short of a dystopian nightmare, not just for you, but for your kids and their kids too. So it's like, I don't, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic when I say this is the time to stand up and do something about it, but it really is because if we don't do it now, then we may get to a position where we can't do anything about it later. Well, that makes me think about what, and I know a little bit about um, Berwick's viewpoint and I, and thinking then, and I've said this, you might have said it also, but I, I remember saying about libertarianism. I've always kind of advocated libertarianism. I was on the radio. I had a lot of conservatives call and I would say, you know, we re- really need to rein in government and reassert the Bill of Rights. And they were all for that when Obama was president. But when Trump was president, I was, this is a quote I love, quibbling about semantics when I would quote cite the Constitution. And I began to realize that there really is no solution within this system. And and I think like when you said, just communicate with people, ask them these questions, they've because of the two party system, they've made some of those questions feel like a trigger or a trap to yeah, people. Language landmines they've built in that you have to avoid because yeah. once you hit them, you, people are short circuited. Right. But ultimately, yeah. you know, this depending on how smart or slow the person is that you're talking to, they're going to realize Oh, she's she didn't vote for Biden. Yeah. Like this is a problem. Mm-hmm. So I look at this and I say, okay, we've I've seen I'm old enough to have seen a bat back and forth too many times, straight out of tragedy and hope, where like throw the bums out and then put in the other bums mm-hmm. was like his prescription with the two party system. And so I'm thinking, do you personally have a clear vision of what would be on the other side. So I'll, I'll give you, okay, go to, um, an ultra, don't use fiat money anymore. I, I, I am a philosophical agorist. I think the idea of trading and growing stuff and all that is actually the right answer. And you can kind of start doing that individually immediately. But is there a society within our grasp, within our reach that you, 
you think that we can or you are actively working towards? Well, I was I've been a speaker at Anarchapulco the last couple of years, and that's Jeff's conference that he puts on. It's the largest anarchist convention in the world. It happens in Acapulco, Mexico in February's, and it's it's kind of a three legged stool. I would say it's anarchist anarchy, and that does not mean that's not Chaz not or chaos. Chop or any of that. Yeah, nonsense. yeah, it's not chaos. It means no overarching it, authority. Exactly. It doesn't oh, mean no force. rulers. It means no rulers. Yeah. So we've got um, anarchy, uh, cryptocurrency, and health and wellness. These are the three components of the Anarchapulco conference. And um, I was new to it the first year I was there. And I found that that community is fascinating. They're very bright. They're not throwing Molotov cocktails and burning tires. They're actually doing things like getting everybody together and on the Friday night uh, during the conference and three big buses pull up and everyone loads into the buses and they go off and go to a nature preserve to let baby sea turtles go into the ocean at night. And I was like, wow, that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> so there are, there are pocket communities that are springing up of people. And this is not like, the in, like the perception I had of the anarchist community before I got to Anarchapulco was, you know, a bunch of twirling hippies that smell like patchouli, like, you know, a parking lot of a Grateful <laughs> Dead concert, basically, like, that's not what that I was thinking. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, not that there's anything wrong. Listen, I've been to plenty of dead shows. I, I, My husband's I, a deadhead. I can't. I get, I get it. You know, I've, 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 I've you know... I know they sell nitrous in the parking lot. Believe me. <laughs> no so, judgment. <laughs> no judgment. Yeah. But but I expected that. And what I found, well, there's a little bit of that, but not, not, not much. It was people from, you know, early 20s to their 70s, people that were tired of the system, people that were from all over the world that recognized that when we put smart people in a big group together and, and our agenda does not include trying to oppress other people, well, you can get a lot done. So we're starting to see, you know, things sprout out of that anarchist community float as an example float. Uh, the uh, social media platform is, is has directly born out of the anarchist uh, community. Kinsley Ed Edwards was just on uh, union of the yeah, unwanted with yeah. us last night. Mm -hmm. And he's a Vegas guy who's, who's built this, this system. So we're, what, what we're seeing is it's, it's a small community, so it takes a little bit of time to develop. And it, and frankly, a lot of the perception about the anarchist community is a bit skewed, but my, my own perception was as well. So I, I totally understand that, but, but there are groups of people that are, whether they're trading in Bitcoin or they're, they're trading, you know, chickens for sweatshirts yeah. or whatever, you know, the things that were, that were going on there. I was fascinated by it. I was, I was really inspired actually after that, because I realized that this, that this kind of, you know, airy fairy community, like, oh, we're all going to live in harmony and all that. I never really bought that. I didn't really think that that was doable. But then I saw kind of a working group of a lot of people that they all seem to know each other. They all seem to have connections to one another. And, and a lot of them had relocated down to the Acapulco area. Um, I was impressed and I was fascinated and I wanted to know more. So I don't know all the ins and outs of how, how, how that will work, how a new version of society will work. But I watched these people put it together on a small scale and I was very impressed and I was very inspired by that because they seemed like decent, nice people. They were working towards the right things. They weren't pretending that they had it all figured out. They were kind of making mistakes. But you know what they weren't doing? They weren't morons in chop trying to grow, um, f grow vegetables 
uh, on cardboard boxes filled with potting soil. You know what I mean? They, these or, guys weren't, they weren't idiots like that. They were like r- real advanced thinkers. And then, and then with the community, they bring in even more people from a variety of industries. So you've got Ron Paul speaking there multiple times. David Icke has been a speaker there. John McAfee, you know, a, a, a interesting group to say the least of people teaching unschooling and homeschooling and remote learning and, 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 and all these interesting concepts that I had, I had, you know, briefly sort of heard about, but didn't have much experience with. So there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of work and development that needs to go if that if that sort of community is going to really thrive. But but to just see a little glimpse of it was very interesting and very inspiring. So I, I don't know if it's something that can scale up uh, to a form where, you know, the whole world can take on that sort of um, structure. But what I saw on a small scale uh, was fascinating and very appealing to me. Well, a few things that you said uh, hit um, struck a chord with me. I'll tell you what they are because you you absolutely nailed it. One is that I have noticed I, I, a couple of things. One, when I first kind of embraced anarcho capitalism, I had I had not I was totally unaware of it. I didn't realize that's where I was going, but I just saw that any government, any self-limiting government written on a piece of paper with a monopoly on force cannot, will not just limit itself. So I kind of just became an anarchist without realizing that it, it wasn't hopeless. It was the fact that society is either self-ordering or it's not. And if it is, you don't need to give the reins of power away. And then my whole world opened up. I found Hoppe. And then I realized that these people aren't, um, they're not simplistic and stupid. They're, they're smart and clear and straightforward. And a similar thing happened when we were taught, when I had that epiphany fairly recently where I realized it was not going to be, there was absolutely no hope to have liberty within the system to demand that the government restore liberty. That wasn't going to happen. And then I realized that homesteading and bartering or things like that would actually be the only way to have liberty. And maybe each person has to assert that for his or herself. And that, and then all of a sudden I got bombarded with people who were doing it, who were talking to me, who were doing it, living like normal lives anyway. Like I just can't even imagine they must be younger than I am because mm-hmm. I'm, I just can't, but a lot of people are doing it. And then finally, I will say that, that you were saying, you know, they're not, Chaz lunatics who are actually getting porto potties and stuff handed over the fence to them to sit around and do nothing on public property, by the way. But they're also not the other end of the spectrum, which I find most offensive. Like having a be I'm an Ivy Leaguer myself and I I I dropped out of high school. I went to community college. I transferred to Harvard for like two years, but I still got a full four-year degree. So I completely did not fit in whatsoever, although I do have the credentials. So I was kind of like like an outside observer in this world where I could absolutely never break in. And I've noticed this pattern and not to diss, it was very nice of them to let me in and give me that credential and all that kind of stuff. But as I, when I went to March against Obamacare in DC, I I was in the subway or in the whatever Metro with basically two kinds of people. It was people with red, white, and blue fanny packs and American flag sweatshirts with me. And then the people who I kind of would have been expected to be myself on the other side of the car, which are kind of, you know, uptight chicks and the skirted suit and whatever. But the thing was... This would be called Karens today. 
<laughs> they were like beyond that. Yeah. I mean, these, these are like y- y- yuppies or whatever, but they were, yeah, it had that same vibe, but they were way too buttoned up for that. And they're, they were really looking their no looking down their nose at the people, the people they were supposed to be serving, mind you. And when I like joked around with, you know, whatever, one of these gals, she looked at me like I was just stuck to her show. And I'm like, oh yeah, you don't understand. I'm a libertarian. I'm not, you know, what you think the stereotype is. And as I, you know, when I read their, their mumbo jumbo and their really, I call it hote propaganda, like the really high level propaganda that's meant for people like that to sniff each other's farts or whatever and think that they're so smart. I noticed that their, that their stuff is often kind of tainted with this condescension with this well i mean if you were well educated or on the right side of this you would know you're not it's not worth bothering to explain to you that kind of propaganda is harder to read and if you read it if you can if you can trudge through it at the end of it you feel like i understood it therefore i agree with it kind of thing Mm -hmm. and there's just something less less convincing less authentic more kind of clubby about the the establishment this this elite this power elite that we see now whereas i feel like the alternative thinkers who are living it are it's a very they can really explain what they think and it rings true you can look around and see it unlike covid or whatever where you're just like oh I, I, someone has to explain to me that this is really a pandemic even though i don't actually see it And I just feel like there is some hope in that if we can, even no matter how much they dumb us down, like we still have our senses and our and our reason, especially if people do stuff like homeschooling. They're working on taking that away from us, though, the senses and reasoning of everything. It's like you can't even believe your eyes these days. I mean, and I'm not I'm not on the Trump team or, or against the Trump team. But, you know, my eyeballs told me that Joe Biden couldn't get 12 people to show up for his rally. How did he set the record for the most votes by a single candidate? Something like just, that, you know. And- I just thought something crazy uh, that the COVID thing where you have to be told and believe that's what the Biden win is and that they will yeah. never, they will never prove it. They will, even if they could right. prove it, they, they don't won't want to. on purpose. It's authoritative yeah. sources you have to trust even against your own eyes and ears. So yeah. it's, well, that's AP what they're like thrown it, so. in our face, I think. Yeah, they, they it, it that's funny that you say that. Yeah, because it, it, it is. It's kind of like the coronavirus. I mean, I've I joked about that with people. I said, wow, this this is this is crazy. This is such a deadly virus that you have to get tested for it just to know if you even actually have it or not you know <laughs> and even That's if you a, test negative it's like that negative test means nothing you probably they test you it. again i right. was just reading about a chick who died of it and they're like well her first test was negative but they tested her again i'm like mm-hmm. and did they up the the cycle rate as binkley would say right did, did um, is this what, do you, what are we doing we're we just going to keep doing the t- i mean is this this isn't somebody taking their driving test where they just get, get to keep doing it over and over again until they get it right like why are you testing us if the test comes back negative why are you testing us again for it for it is it because it's not giving you the answer that you want which of course you know i think that that's what it is so th- they've they've created this fear fear of course is the best tool to control the masses because everybody starts to, you know, slips into a different brainwave function and they start to say, ah, just make it all go away. Please, um, just whatever you do, um, save us from this virus. Okay, I'll do it for you. You're saved. It's done because that's that's all you need at <laughs> yeah. this point. You're all saved. Go back to well, work. They, 
I hope that the vaccines are just placebos anyway. Uh, me too. You know, I, just give me a I, saline solution. I'm fine the, with that. that I won't get sick. I promise. It's funny because I was saying, you know, if Trump really is playing 10D chess here, uh, wouldn't it be great if all of the the vaccines that they rushed through was just placebos and it was filled with nothing? And he's just like, watch all these people. They're all going to feel like they got healthy overnight. And, uh, you know, it'd be great. And, and be- people would feel that way. You're right. They yeah, really totally. Would. I would. Please. I will swear on a stack of Bibles that I'm not sick. I will not get sick. Yeah. For, if I am sick, I will like hide not the Not everybody, but a lot of people, the placebo effect, they, it does work. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they get placebo side effects from the shot. Oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? You get the shot yeah. and you're like, I don't feel so good. Because honestly, I read this about endorphins and like heroin addicts and stuff. If you're a heroin addict, it suppresses your endorphins. So or whatever, your natural production of that stuff. So and you need them all the time because apparently being alive is basically painful. So you have to kind of have yeah. So if you if you get hooked on heroin and your body stops making, then you stop heroin. Your body is just like, oh my god, this is unbearably painful to be alive. So it's my theory. And like when you go to sleep at night, you know things kind of ache or whatever because you're paying attention. And yeah. if you know, I feel like if they they could seriously conjure you know mild flu like symptoms, what is that? A headache? I basically have a headache half the time. Half the country drinks alcohol. Ergo, half the country can have a headache at any time. Yeah. You know, and I just I feel like the placebo effect works in all directions. Yeah. Lincoln died of COVID. A lot of people don't realize that. <laughs> Only they didn't have a name for it then. They called it gunshot wound then. They, yeah, but the, now those, we know. <laughs> those old timey savages, they didn't know what it was. He died from COVID, of course. Yeah, it it's um it it's a good trick that they used uh, to keep everybody down and and scared. But you know, one of the things that I, I think we can expect when this vaccine or vaccines plural uh, roll out, they're going. We're going to start to see a. We're we're going to see the media do what, what the media always does uh, on behalf of big pharma, which is try and blur the line between what are re- adverse reactions to the vaccine and what are just basic symptoms of having COVID. So once these vaccines roll out and they do things like, I don't know, make your left arm really numb for like four days. You'll start to see stories come out in the media about, you know, this COVID-19 or COVID-20, this new COVID-20 that we've got. It has very different side effects from COVID-19. This one makes your left arm numb. And you're I've like, been oh covering that God. for a while, and, thanks to a tip from a tweet and also some of my own work where they were saying kids can come down with the symptoms of Kawasaki disease and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And everything they're saying, it always has the word myelitis in it, yep. which is the myelin. It's the inflammation of the Myelin sheath, which is it's Guillain Barre. It's the it's what happens when a vaccination makes your body turn against its own immune system. It attacks the myelination. And they've already been layering the ground with that. That could be long haul COVID. Also, memory fog stuff that I don't know really how to prove or disprove 5G impact. But stuff that I have seen prior to this associated with 5G is in there was a Wall Street Journal article called long haul COVID. You may not even have had the disease, but you could, you know, for the rest of your life, have a headache when you stand underneath a giant cell tower. It's like, yeah. well, <laughs> yeah, I, I just saw them using that terminology yesterday for the first time, calling it long COVID. And I was like, hmm, what is that? What is that all about? Or is it, are you trying to say that this is something that you've got for for forever? I mean, it, it, yeah, it's so, a cold. 
It's a cold. I mean, it is a cold. It's a bad cold and a bad cold. I did know a kid, 14-year-old kid who died of a bad cold. It got into his heart, whatever. It caused inflammation of his organs. Once in a million, it does happen. It's it's just was supposed to be that. How does it change its very nature? Everything we've been told about germ theory and germs and sickness and health, I learned well. I was a good little soldier. I you know I got good grades in all those classes. Mm-hmm. I, I question some of those basic assumptions now, but if I embrace and live by those basic assumptions, this does not jive with those. Yeah. Well, don't go in injecting logic into this argument. How dare you? <laughs> or science. Or science. Forget the science is settled. Don't you know? <laughs> I know it, it's so funny. I feel like I'm a voodoo. It's the most ironic like you, thing ever. The science yeah. is settled. Science is never settled. It's it's the question. That's the nature of science. They get they yeah. get so mad when a when a lay person tries to get hold of the holy texts and read them. Yes. And translate them into the vernacular. It's like, I read this study. How could you read that study? It has big words you could never have understood. It's like, well, I looked them up. Well, I just, you're not capable. Where's your coat? Where's your robe? Where are the white robes? You mm-hmm. know, like, I just read it and I think I understood it. Well, we've done a good job of of doing their jobs for them, in, especially with regard to... Um, you know, with, with big pharma and the role of, of doctors being point people for for just, a, you know, blanket immunization of vaccines and everything like I, I feel like I'm not a doctor. I'm far from it, but I can hold my own in a vaccine debate against an actual doctor and bring up some things that they don't even know about. But how dare I do that? Because I didn't go to medical school, so I shouldn't even have an opinion on this. It's like, well, I do have an opinion on this. My opinion is that you guys are outsourcing your 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 understanding about how vaccines work and the medicine behind them to pharma reps who are fresh out of college making $60,000 a year giving you boxes of pens with your names on it that's that's the extent of their knowledge of this as well but they've got a script and they're going to tell you how how uh, you know this new medicine is going to cure x y and z and and you're going to go yeah yeah okay fine whatever give give me the pens give me the magnets that you always drop off give me the don- donuts that you bring for lunch as a bribe i get it Give me all that stuff, and uh, yeah, I'll prescribe your your medicine next time around. Do yeah, you know how they it works? Also, no. see what happens to doctors that speak out against the vaccine. Oh with yeah, these public demonstrations where they get shamed and smeared and called phonies. Yeah, yeah. There's that self policing component of of that as well in the medical industry. So doctors don't get you know a ton of training on on vaccines and, and, and how it all works. I mean, they maybe got a little bit in med school, but med school is, is compromised. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, you know, the Rockefeller foundation has an undue influence. So it, it pushes everybody the big pharma route. And if you're not, if you're not on board with that, first of all, you probably won't make it in med school. Um, right. But then they'll demonize you and call you a holistic kook or something, or some anti-science person. It's, that's the most insulting, um, that that's the most frustrating insult that we get is that you're you're somehow anti-science because you have questions about vaccines. Look, listen, I'm not just saying I'm just going to put it in God's hands and hope for the best. You know, there there are people out there doing that to be sure, but I'm questioning this stuff because I'm pro-science, not because yeah, and I'm anti-science. You don't anti-science. have to be put yourself in a doctor's hand or God's hand. You can put yourself in your own hands yeah. and really do a lot to promote your health. But I wanted to circle back to the book uh, a little bit. I'm not sure that 
you know, this is kind of out of left field question, but it was inspired by something that Jeff had written in the in the intro, I think it was about kind of seeing this coming, like the coronavirus thing, like different ways that the the fuse might be lit in the final explosion or whatever. Yeah. And I know he's also said that you kind of compiled a lot of the material and, and um, made it orderly, made it understandable. And I wonder if you got a sense of a kind of pattern of operation that in some of these incidences or how these people work that might help people recognize it for what it is rather than always be kind of on the edge, kind of scared that, you know, is there any pattern to their behavior to these crises? Is there any kind of big takeaway from the book? Yeah, well, they're, they're, <clears throat> the people that are running this world are not extremely creative. They tend to run the same plays over and over again. That's why when you see false flags, you can pick them out pretty easily. Uh, you'll see some of the, the patterns, um, you know, forming. But but with this, we weren't we weren't sure what the what the the plunger moment would be. Um, and 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 when we got to March of this year, that's why we stopped because we wanted to see how the Corona situation would play out. Now we knew it would be some version of of a of a lie you know the big lie as as hitler says yeah but we and and we did but we didn't to be to be honest we didn't know before corona hit that we were going to have a medical martial law component to this we thought that there would be something devious but so that caught us off guard in in, the, in that sense that it was a virus that was you know um sprung on us but but what we didn't what what didn't catch us off guard was the very predictable response by the media and the government and big pharma all in unison, all in, you know, immediately panicking and going to the worst case scenario and then doing manipulating the perception of reality. Things like uh, when I saw a, a picture of a of a shot that was set up for some local media that was filming in a grocery store and they'd set up their cameras to shoot down this aisle, uh, not straight, not head on with the aisle, but just a little bit off to an angle so that you could get the majority of this aisle in the frame of this shot. And what they had done, this was a picture of the setup of that sh where the camera was sitting on a tripod, but the picture was taken about 10 feet behind the camera of everything. And what you could see was that in this shot, all of the food that was on that aisle that was being filmed had been taken and moved back behind the camera and it was just piled up back there and this person took a picture of that setup <laughs> and wow, it was like a perfect encapsulation sick. because that's gonna it's make like people go buy stuff out of pain yes, that's going to manifest reality Yes. And it's a, it's a lie. So the media, this is a David Icke thing. Like the media is there not to tell you the truth, but to tell you the not truth. To create reality. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it, and it, it, it's devious and, and it shapes, like you said, it creates reality. It, 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 when you watch that broadcast, it's, oh my God, the grocery stores are getting like, are, are out. We're, we're running out of stuff. We're running, you know, the supply chain is breaking down. Oh my God, what does this mean? It's all very real now. Well, it's not real, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, right. So, and that, that makes me think your biggest lie thing, I think like Prince of Lies, and it just always makes me go towards like occult things, which I never normally do. But this, it's just that that is, it is sinister. 
it is sinister. But they don't care about us. So they, they see us as less than. So they treat us like that. So so it's there's no surprise. But when but when Jeff and I really when we saw the the media doing its thing in conjunction with Big Pharma, we, we realized, OK, um, this is clearly a scam. This is this is not going to uh, my, actually our only real fear was that it wasn't going to be as bad as they thought it was. Um, and they would figure that out about halfway through the operation and then change course and make it worse than that, what, that you know what I mean? That is what I'm worried about for this the, phase two. I don't yeah. really think a virus can do what they say this does. I really actually very skeptical about viruses as viruses, but that does, but I do think there are plenty of bacterial agents, even, even, um, you know, the electromagnetic stuff, we are electrical organisms. Yeah. I know that sounds all tinfoil hat. Maybe the tinfoil hat is the actual answer, which is why it is yeah. the most demonized symbol <laughs> in the history of humanity. You know, it's the most universal. Yeah. You're a nut. If you do this, don't do this. It's a book called I mean, Body Electric, which is a, talks a lot about that. This is a guy who used to be a Navy doctor who oh. figured out the mechanism for regeneration. Oh, and interesting. He figured it out in frogs and he... Actually, kind of by mistake, somebody, one of his patients got into a bad motorcycle accident. He recognized something and he tried something and the guy healed in a matter of weeks. What would have taken months for this person to heal. And then immediately he gets all his funding revoked. He gets pushed out to the outskirts of Mexico. That's like Duisberg, who wrote Inventing the AIDS Virus, which was introed by Carrie Mullis, who won the Nobel Laureate, Nobel Prize for the PCR test, which he said could not be used as a virus, which Fauci used for the AIDS virus yeah. and then gave people AZT the way he's giving people ventilators. Isn't it fun? <laughs> Sorry, it's not funny. Works. I know it's not funny. It's not funny. It is not funny. But it's it, you have to laugh at it because it's ridiculous when you look at a picture like that of the news actually manipulating the scene to give you the opposite impression of what it is. And like 145 million people are arguing between Trump and Biden right now. Um, and, you know, I'm like, it's not going to matter. Anyway, you know, it's not going to matter if you can't see your own grocery store has more food than that one, then we're, it's it's hopeless. And you got to just I think you have to grow a chicken and just laugh when you can. Yeah. Where's this all going? <laughs> Where do you see all this going? Yeah, Charlie. Oh, man. I, I, you know, I see it. I see their plan. Well, hopefully I see it going uh, nowhere, frankly. And that, that would be nice. the, the ideal situation. If we all rise up this, you know, we can we can get this, bring this stuff to a halt. But I think that where they would like to take it is, is that uh, Agenda 2030 uh, blue, you know, that blueprint that um, sustainable living and all those all those fancy buzzwords, the World Economic Forum's fourth industrial revolution, you know, it all it all sounds kind of nice, you know, hey, who's going to deny that we have major changes and things that need to get fixed in this world you know when you say our current system isn't working everyone goes yeah we know you know so they're not lying about that but then they say well we're gonna roll this out and it's gonna have all these great benefits don't you like these benefits and everyone goes yeah i like the benefits what's the downside well the downside is you'll have nothing you'll be a you know surf you <laughs> no know. privacy and no privacy you'll have you'll be living on crickets uh, you know th things like that but but hey at least you won't be emitting carbon 
into the atmosphere, <laughs> right? Because that would just grow trees and stuff, and we wouldn't yeah, want you, that. You can't have that. Can't have that. That's where they want to take it. Now, it's an ambitious plan on their part, but 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 they they you know I give them. I have no respect for them, but I do give them credit for for their ability to take long term uh, approaches to these sorts of things. You know, it it this doesn't happen overnight. Um, it's incremental, and I, I where I lose my faith a little bit is when I just see like the masses of the people out there that are so, you know, that are so dumbed down and so fearful that they're looking for any sort of explanation to this. And yet they, they go where they've always gone, which is the mainstream media. And it's like, if you, if you, if the mainstream media was a human being interacting with you on a daily basis, you would have a restraining order against them. They are, they're psycho psychopathic towards you. They, they're constantly lying to you and making you feel bad about yourself and then trying to build you up and then here comes the more lies. And, you know, and it's like, why are people still falling for that? Let's go turn on CNN and try and figure out what's going on in the world. Like that is until we get people to break away from that, you know, those people will have no chance because the, the media is very powerful and, and they do, they, they've had a long time to perfect this, to get their, their manipulation game strong. And, and, and that's where it is. They use fear which we which we have and then they use our our innate compassion to say things you know to frame it in a way like you have to be terrified of this virus but you can't go outside because you don't want to kill grandma do you and everyone's right. like of course i don't want to kill grandma and i guess i'm afraid of this virus i don't really understand it but you tell me to be afraid of it and you've got all these experts on there so god everybody's got to know more than me about this so you tell me how to feel well you're supposed to feel scared okay i'm scared now what are you going to do well you can't do x y and z because you're scared remember and it's like yes i remember well what if everybody collectively woke up and remembered that they weren't scared <laughs> it would change everything right. i mean that i'm not saying that i'm not saying that this isn't a thing that exists this virus i'm just saying it's not as deadly as they've made it out to be and therefore our disproportionate reaction to it should be you know we should wipe this away and everyone should say hey we made a mistake we you know but hey we erred on the side of safety and we're sorry we destroyed all these businesses but we're never doing that again get back to get back to normal but that's not going to happen because they've had so much success with this it's beyond their wildest dreams like holy cow yeah. they're they're probably sitting back in their in their what do we you know, do now it's like libraries. my dog with the squirrel like what do i do with it now i can't right. Leave. I, I finally people, caught it. I didn't think mouth. I could. Yeah. I didn't think they would fall for this in in this major way. Okay, now what do we do? Well, let's. What else can we introduce? Let's. You know, what else can we we drag into here? Well, we've got to have. You know, um, you can't. You know, you can't visit grandma, and then now you can't plant a garden in your front yard. You know, and you in English, if you in the English language, uh, the F's and the T's and everything. You know, oh, spread COVID. Wow. And you're, like, you're like just. It's stop. like singing. Yeah, they've already said that. Hey. Can't so happy I want, have a question about the book. If if we wanted to bring people to the next level, say with a well placed Christmas present in the form of your book, do you feel like your book is designed for people who are just beginning to wake up, or people who are fully woke? I mean, it's a very straightforward yeah. book, but it's also comprehensive. So tell me well, a little bit about it. Give people something to take away and think about. Yeah, it it will it will work for a variety of people. So when 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 I was talking to Jeff about this, I said, "Look, we're going to get into some topics that are 
that are fringe, you know, like to the, to the, to the average person, they're going to sound fringe. So we need to make sure that if we're talking about some of these things that we can back them up. So there's 254, um, footnotes in this book. I wanted to make sure that the most skeptical person that's reading it, who goes, ah, this sounds crazy. This can't be true. I want them to be able to look and go just right down to the bottom of the page, see the footnote and go, all right, well, I'm going to check this source and I'm going to see where I'll be damned. It is true. You know, so I, I, I want, we wrote it for people that are skeptical and we wanted to make sure we laid it out in a logical way. So we start with an explanation of about these, these previous empires that have come and gone, these empires that seem like they were impervious to, uh, to, to ever coming un, unglued. And yet they follow this very predictable pattern. And we lay out what the pattern is and we explain to people, look at this, look at the last step in this, you know, in this stage of, uh, of, of where empires collapse. Take a look at what they did and you tell me if we're not at this same stage right now. The answer is undeniably that we are. It is, it is, it is without question. We are at the last stage of it. And it's like, okay, so that happened to those other empires and they thought that there wasn't, you know, they thought that there was going to go on forever. And here we are, we're experiencing the same thing. Are you starting to recognize the pattern? And then we explain, we go into to some of the, the, the history of the United States. We try to explain it in, in a logical step-by-step way. We try to keep things, you know, I, I, I get a little, you know, I have a dark sense of humor, so that's in there for sure, because you got to keep people hanging in. But but I feel like we laid it out in a very logical way. Now, there'll be some people that will say, I get it. I understand this. Like, you know, the black belt level people that say, I know this stuff. I, I This makes sense to me. I, maybe I don't need the book because I already have a deep understanding of this. Fantastic. Buy the book for somebody else. Send it to somebody in your life that is saying, mm, I don't know about these things. You guys seem, you know, you you tell me about all these crazy things and they just sound so outrageous. And, and Rachel Maddow tells me that the Russians are going to turn off my heat and everything. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Newsom's going to turn off your heat. Newsom's going to turn off your heat for sure. <laughs> But the um, footnotes alone are quite valuable because people like me yeah. who do exactly what you say you should not do, and I just go around like barfing all this stuff on people all the time. Yeah. It would be nice to have an easy way, like you find the chapter, that's where it is, look at the footnote. And I'll tell you, it doesn't even have to be spot on the thing you know. And my website used to do it, but my website got taken down because it's not in paper. But it doesn't have to be spot on of exactly what, like my particular example, like you did a lot of work on the Boston Marathon bombing in your first book. Right. And it's not the same stuff I did, but it's enough to get people to be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like for this book to get people just thinking about a variety of topics. So it's not just one topic. I mean, and, and if you think about the, the the problems that are that the American empire is facing, it's not just one thing either. So you have to cover a variety of topics and it and sometimes you have to give a little bit of the backstory so that people understand where you're coming from. And I feel like we did a, a pretty good job with that, but I can't go back to the beginning of time and explain everything <laughs> from 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 then up until this afternoon. You know, so some people are going to have to have at least a base level of knowledge right. of, of some of these things or at least common sense. But I think that they will understand where we're coming from. We're not coming from a place of trying to scare people. Um, well, we're not trying to scare people, period. What we're talking about might be scary. We're trying to inform people so that they recognize what's coming their way, talk to their friends and family, position themselves out of the way of this uh, massive destruction that's he- that that's that is coming towards us. And 
get themselves in a position where they're not not as affected by everybody's going to be affected by this. Everybody's affected by this Corona situation. We see it now. So it's like if, but if you knew it was coming in advance, what could you have done differently to put yourself in a situation where it didn't impact you as much? And that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to sound the alarm bells. We felt like we, you know, we, during our first conversation about this, we said, you know, Jeff, I said to Jeff, if we, um, you know, if we know this stuff and we don't tell people about it, it's kind of shitty on us. You know, I mean, like we kind of have an obligation to do We want to do it and we feel like, you know, it's valuable information. But even if we didn't really want to do it at this point now, Jeff, we kind of have to do it. And he's like, I, no, he's like, I agree. He's like, what kind of people would we be if we if we saw this coming and we didn't say anything? We kept it to ourselves. So so, you know, we we want the information out there. You know, we want people thinking about this. I mean, uh, um, we, it's not over yet. You know, there's still a lot of things that we can do to mitigate that what's coming our way. But, but, but like I started off with here, it, the first step is admitting that we have a problem, acknowledging it and taking a look at what has been done in our name as Americans, uh, uh for the last 50 years, some reprehensible things. And, and, and once we acknowledge these things, maybe we can make decisions and change things, uh, moving forward. We're not going to change the past. We're not going to change that a million, you know, there's a million dead Iraqis that there's multi-generational birth defects from depleted uranium and the, the reprehensible things that we have done or our government has done on behalf of us. Those things we we cannot change the past, but we can change them going forward. And if we get enough people to recognize them and remember them, they will not stand for these sorts of things in the future. So it's just it's just a shaking the shit out of people with this book. It's just like grabbing someone and just shaking them and saying, just you got to get, you know, get a hold of yourself, you know, like airplane yeah. when they're all in line to <laughs> slap yeah. that lady. That's us. We're like, get a hold of yourself. We're just slapping, just slapping people like, here you go. Take the book. Slap, you know, like so just... Let me ask you, where is the best place? First of all, people can find you at Macroaggressions. That's your podcast. Yep. And where is the best place for folks to get the book? Do you just want people to go to Amazon? It's called Amazon Controlled is, Demolition of the American Empire. Go to Amazon. We have the Kindle and the paperback are available there. It's a number one bestseller. It's it's that I attribute more to Jeff's audience because he's got a massive audience and people are very uh, into this stuff. And hey, they also happen to read, which is nice. Um, so So we like that. You can find me at Macro. My podcast is Macroaggressions. It's on uh, Apple and Spotify and iHeartRadio and David Icke's video platform called Iconic and YouTube. It's all those normal places. And if people want to uh, reach out to me directly, they can find me at my website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. That's the name of my first book, which is also available on Amazon. It's also available on my website. So, yeah, I'm, I'm accessible. If people have questions or comments or thoughts or whatever, Um send them to me let's talk yeah, it's let's been it. really it's been really fun to get to know you through the union of the unwanted yeah we did a swap cast with truth or theory i love those guys it's me always too. one of our most popular posts when we post i don't binkley thinks that uh, it's the combination of their great personalities and their great name of their show and yeah. i like their logo but anyway so that's always fun so anytime you want to come back give us a, a buzz and maybe next time we can do like a cocktail hour i love that yeah let's do, do the that video, that's the video version 
Super great. We're gonna we'll post it later in the week, but we'll send it to you too if you want it. And um, awesome. it's been really great. I've loved uh, some of your answers. I you know just always like to get a different perspective on some of the big basic questions. Who's up to this? How do they do it? And I think yeah. that we've really colored in some of those boxes for people. Well, I'm I. I try my best but it's i don't have all the answers uh none of us do we're, we're collectively trying to put this puzzle together it requires participation from all of us everybody plays a role in this even if you're just somebody just just listening to this thinking that you don't have a role in it my first book came out of a conversation i had with my mother where i was telling her about some great new conspiracy i had found and she asked me a very simple question that's awesome this is crazy information that you've discovered what are you going to do with it and i went uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I didn't know I had to do anything. And it started me down this path of thinking, well, how can I contribute? So there's people out there that are listening to, to my podcast and to your shows and watching our videos and things like that. And it's starting to get in and they're starting to realize, wow, I get this. I'm understanding this. This is making sense to me. But the next question is, what are you going to do about it? So right. somebody, you might That's start a, burden, a radio show Charlie. or a podcast yeah. or a, a TV show or, or write a book or make a movie or do whatever but everybody's got different skills your skills are going to be needed if we're going to make it through this dystopian nightmare that they have planned for us so let's stick together there's uh you know there's there's more good people out there than there are bad people let's remember that and to collectively together uh we've got a chance to uh to get to a good place that's definitely true and a great place to end it thanks so much charlie we'll talk to you again soon thank See you, you later, guys man.